I'm Karen. And I'm Michelle. We're sisters. And homeschool moms. Welcome to the Layers of Learning podcast, where we talk about family-style homeschooling. Hello, this is Michelle. Hi, I'm Karen. We are here talking with you about blending learning styles today. So way back in the 90s, this idea of different learning styles began to crop up, and it first appeared in teacher education colleges. So teachers were told, oh, your kids are failing. Uh, The kids in our schools are failing. It's because you, you teachers, are not teaching correctly. This is what you should be teaching. Every kid has a learning style, and you need to figure out what that learning style is, and then you need to teach that child in their learning style. And there are so many learning styles, and it gets so complex. So what we're going to do today is kind of break that down, explain what that means, And then explain why maybe you don't need to worry about it so much. So I got really interested in learning about these learning styles um, probably started 20 years ago or so when I was studying education and child development. And it was fascinating to me. It was eye-opening to read about all of the styles. There are actually over 70 that researchers have found of ways that we can learn And at first I thought, wow, this is the key. This is how we're going to unlock knowledge for kids who aren't succeeding in school. And I've kind of followed the research over the years. And truthfully, the research shows that finding your perfect learning style and then catering all of your teaching to it is not beneficial. We are actually all a mixture of many, many learning styles. And we tend to do best when we mix them up a little instead of just catering to what we think is our dominant style. That's probably not something that you hear often because we're more likely to hear, come take this quiz online and find out what your kid's learning style is. And this will be the key to them understanding everything. And there's something to that, but it's also missing something. So I think a lot of homeschool parents have now started to talk about those learning styles, like they try to, oh, my style, my child is a visual learner. And so I'm going to make sure that I have all these visual things for my son all the time. And you're saying that maybe that's not the best approach? Yeah, I think that we read the teacher research and that leads us to logically be led to the idea that as a homeschool mom, if we can find that magical learning style that our kid is, then he or she will just flourish if that's all that we do. But that's really not true. I like to think of learning styles more like food preferences. We all have certain foods that we like best and other foods that we don't really like, and even still others that we don't love but we can tolerate or those foods that we don't love but we need to eat because they're good for us. Like food preferences, learning styles should be combined in ways that help us learn in a more whole picture. Visual, auditory, kinesthetic. If we can combine those ways of learning together, we're going to have a more complete picture than if we just constantly always focus on one style. So are you saying that people don't really have learning styles? Help me break that down, Karen. Help me kind of understand what would be the basic learning styles, if there are any, and, and what does that mean that I'm supposed to do as a homeschool mom? Well, first of all, you asked a really important question. Learning styles really do exist. That is a true thing. I know this because I've experienced it. I am an incredibly visual person. 
So if you give me directions to the library across town that I've never been to, if you just tell me the directions and say, oh, you're going to turn north on Hastings and then take a left on Wall and then head south on First Street, I will not get there. I know that was just three steps. I will not get there. I need you to draw me a picture or a map, or I need to, at the very least, picture it in my mind because I can't take those words that you gave me and translate that into my car getting there. I'm not capable of it because I don't process information that way. And the key to that is we are going to be faced with people who give us directions. We are going to be in situations where things are not going to be catered to our perfect learning style. And so it's more important that we can adapt ourselves and the way we think about things than expecting everyone to cater to our specific learning style. So with the map reference, if I know that about myself, I know that I will not get to the library across town from your three directions. There are some things that I can do. I can draw myself a map right there, or I can build a mental map in my mind and picture that route. As a visual learner, that is something that will work for me. But that doesn't mean that the information was presented to me visually. Information is presented to us in many ways, and we have to learn to adapt our thinking to make it work for us. So those are the tools we want to give our kids when we're teaching them. So I think... It sounds like it's really important to present information to children, have them learning with many different styles, and then they get to find their strengths and weaknesses, and they also get to work on their weaknesses so that they become stronger at it. So I think you broke it down a, a little more simpler. Like you were saying there are so, over 70 learning styles. Like that is incomprehensible to me. Like I can't possibly, how would I pigeonhole my kids into those and how do I teach 70 different learning styles? So I think you broke it down into a lot simpler categories. I look at it this way. Really, truly, when we want to simplify it, we have people who see it and learn well. We have people who hear it and learn well. And we have people who do it and learn well. So you have see it, hear it, and do it learners. It's that simple. We don't have to figure out all of the ins and outs and details as long as we understand those simple truths about ourselves. And then the key is metacognition, which is just a big educational type word that really means thinking about thinking. If we teach our kids to think about how they're thinking and how they learn, that is far more important than catering to a specific learning style. So if, I, if I'm having my child memorize a little passage out of Shakespeare and I notice that he is repeating it over and over to himself in order to memorize it, I can take a moment and point out to him, oh, I think that you might be a hear it learner. You learn really well when you can hear the same thing said over and over again. And that will help him to realize, oh, wow, yeah, that is how I learn really well. And then he can use that as a tool next time he has to memorize something. Yeah, he's, he's going to be able to then recognize, oh, if I want to remember something for the test or the lines in the play or whatever he's trying to remember, he'll then have the tool to do it. 
he can recognize, oh, this is a good way that I learn. It's not that mom presented all of the information in that perfect style for him. It's that he is going to then own it and do the work. Mom gets to present it in a variety of styles. And when that doesn't work for him, he has thought about his thinking enough to know, oh, I have tools to help me learn it in my way. Okay, let's just go through each of the learning styles. So first is the see it, which some people call visual learners. See it is a little bit more direct. We just, we know that when we see it, we learn it. So these are people that are really good with images, maps, graphic organizers. They tend to be really good readers, people who want to actually see something on the page or they see the movie and they can remember it. They remember things. Words can be replaced with images. Anything else about that, Karen? There are some really simple tools that see it learners can use. First of all, something that we do in our homeschool almost every day is we illustrate our notes. We do something called illustrated note sheets, and that is a combination of words and pictures. It's whatever we're learning about, we draw it, and we write a little bit about it. And that is a really powerful tool for a see it learner. See it learners are also really good with flashcards. So a lot of people will say, oh, flashcards are so boring. They're not boring for a see it learner. They thrive with that because they're forming a mental picture in their mind of that item over and over again. They're seeing the word, they're seeing the concept, and that helps them. Also, a really interesting trick that see it learners can use, they can use a highlighter pen and assign colors to things. For example, if a see it learner is learning about birds and they're watching a video and they take some notes about birds as they're watching the video. They saw the video, and that was a see-it thing. They're going to solidify it by taking notes and then highlighting those notes in specific colors. Just the fact that there's a color associated with it helps a see-it learner to remember the information. A similar thing to that is using a variety of different fonts. If your kid is needing to learn something, they can type it out on the computer And they can use a variety of different fonts for different parts, like making main ideas bold. For a see-it learner, they'll remember it when it is bold. They'll remember the part that they made red. They'll remember the part that was in the fancy font. So it's a trick that they can use no matter what they're learning about or no matter how the information's presented. They can then take that and add their colors, add their fonts, and make it so that it's adapted to their see-it style. Okay, so another thing for see it learners is that they can they tend to be better at writing. So it's easier for them to turn words that are in their brain into words on a page. So they can get their ideas down onto the page and to write essays and things like that easily. It's not always true. Again, that's where those 70 different learning styles come in. But people who are see it learners tend to be stronger at reading and writing both. Often a see it learner will learn really well if they're recopying their notes, if they write it again, or if they write something the first time that maybe it's not required to be written, but they do write it, then they will remember and learn from that better. They also tend to be pretty good at narration. So if you read a passage from an encyclopedia, they can regurgitate the information in their own words and get it down on a page. Workbooks, 
workbooks kind of get a bad uh, rap in the homeschooling world, but they're not always bad. And see it learners can really thrive with that because it's again, it's those words on the page that you can actually see and do and the filling in those blanks and writing that really helps see it learners. Some things that see it learners struggle with are creative writing. They sometimes see things in a more concrete way. And so creativity can be a struggle. Word problems in math can be hard for them to translate. Science experiments can be hard for them to make connections about. And even though they're strong readers, sometimes they struggle to read beyond the literal meaning that's right there on the page. So along with recognizing some tools to help see it learners, we also want to remember where their struggles are. Because just because you struggle at something doesn't mean you can't do it. If you know that creativity is a struggle, don't shy away from creative pursuits. Have them do more of them. Not to the point of stress, but just enough that they get exposure to it and can practice and get better and better. And in those areas where you see it, learner struggles, you may need to break the process down further than you, than you would for your other children. So if you give them a creative writing assignment, maybe you've asked them to write a poem. And if you just say, I would like you to write a poem, they're going to just shut down. So you may need to break that down into smaller steps and help them really um, do it one tiny thing at a time. And that will ease them into that creative writing. That's just one example of that. So you really don't want to take your see it learners and say, okay, everything is going to be visual. I am only going to cater to this. Instead, you want to teach them some tools. Teach them, look, however the information is presented to you, these are some things you can do. You could go rewrite your notes. You could add some illustrations to your notes to make it more memorable for you. You can go type it on the computer and play with fonts and colors. So give them those tools so that they can own their style and they cater to their style. You don't. Okay, the next type of learner is the hear it learners. And sometimes these are called auditory or verbal. They often can be the talkative children. Sometimes they're really musical kids. Memorization might come really easily to them, especially if it's um, poetry or anything with a rhythm or a rhyme. They will probably enjoy audiobooks more than an actual physical book. They like to tap or drum on things. You'll notice a lot of nervous energy, like they're making noise while they are doing their math facts, and it's probably driving you crazy, but it's actually helping them to learn. So I remember when I was in college, we had a testing center, and the testing center had various rooms, and the biggest room was just perfectly silent just stark silent. And you'd go in there and state your class and your section number. And then you'd get your test and go sit at one of the silent desks. And at the end, you'd go turn it back into the the testing center counter and it would be submitted to your professor for grading. And right by that large, perfectly silent room, there was another room and it was called the music room. And in it, there was always some kind of classical or soft music playing in the background while everyone was taking their tests. And in that music room, you can bet those were the hear it learners. They needed some kind of a background track to help them think. That's something that your kids can do easily, no matter where they are. If they're trying to learn something and music helps them to learn, they can play music. 
You probably want to give them headphones, especially if you have more than one child. That's totally fine. You may also want to control exactly which type of music. Because even a hear it learner, if they're listening to music where they're more interested in the lyrics than in the math, then they're going to get distracted and not be doing their math anymore. But it can really help them to learn. Another thing that hear it learners enjoy is discussions. When you talk out loud about a topic, they're going to get so much more out of that than if they are just reading a book about it. They like to speak. They like to have a turn to talk. They like to be able to give their ideas out loud. It's easier for them than writing. They do have to learn to write, (laughs) but they'll really enjoy speaking their ideas. In fact, my children, some of them have a hard time with the visual. They're really not see it learners. They're really much more hear it and do it. They tend towards those two. And a lot of them have a hard time getting ideas down on paper. It took me years to realize that was a real thing. I thought they were just being lazy. Just write down your ideas. And they were like, I can't. And I finally realized they have to say it out loud. And once they've said it out loud, then they can write it. And it works fine. Yeah, that was their thinking process. And they had to think through things before they could get it on paper. So once they realize that, all of a sudden, they're not stopped anymore. You just have to teach them, oh, you're a person who needs to say it out loud. And then you can get your ideas down. Simple concept. But if you don't realize that about yourself, it can be a stumbling block. Another really cool tool that here at Learners can use, no matter what they're learning about or how it's presented, they can use a voice recorder. They out loud record their notes or whatever it is they learned, and then they can play it back and listen to those. It's like creating their own little audio book of notes about whatever they're learning about. That will help them to remember things that would otherwise just slide out of their heads. Another great thing for here at Learners is mnemonic devices, either um, things where they have to memorize something in order and they make a word that goes with the beginning letter of each thing. For example, the piano scale. A lot of children learn it by learning every good boy does fine, which are the notes E, G, B, D, F. Those are the notes that hit the lines on the staff, and that helps them remember for someone who is not a hear it learner that might just be an extra step and it's it just makes it harder but for someone who is a hear it learner that is like that's going to be what solidifies it for them so that they can remember it that's why sometimes you'll hear people say oh if you teach kids the alphabet that way then it's just an extra step well those people are not hear it learners so they in their head well it's just an extra step but for someone else it might be the thing that helps them remember it might be the only way they can remember So it's important for you to realize that your children are learning things in different ways. The way that works for you might not be at all the way that works for them. So here at Learners often struggle with taking tests, with paying attention to small details, with reading nonfiction books and with editing. They don't tend to like those detail-oriented written things that we tend to associate with really traditional school skills. So often in school, these kids struggle. But in your homeschool, they don't have to. My son, who's 15 now, is a pretty strong in the hear it scale. And when he's writing, he enjoys writing now. We've gotten to the point where he likes it. But 
he never uses periods. He doesn't use any kind of punctuation. He will write out his entire story or essay or whatever he's doing, and there's not a period anywhere in there. And I'm like, CJ, there has to be some kind of punctuation somewhere in here. But it's because he's a here at learner. He can't stop to put in those details or he will lose his train of thought. For me, as a visual learner, that's just automatic. I've seen it in writing. I read so much and it's just there. For him, it's all about the words. And so I learned to not criticize that. I just go back in later and say, okay, we're going to put in the periods now, but I just let him get it down there. And instead of criticizing him, I make sure I praise his ideas because the fact that he's gotten them onto paper, that right there is a big step for him. As a hear it kind of learner, he is using the tools, his way of learning to make the assignment happen. And that's actually a triumph for him. Well, and then I love that you don't leave it at that. You don't say, well, periods aren't required then for you because you're a here at learner. You say, okay, we're going to take that step where periods aren't required. And then we're going to stretch your skills and you're going to go beyond that. And you still have high expectations for him, but it's a second step. Because he can recognize this is the way that I have to do it. That's my strong suit. And then in a second step, he can add periods. It just can't be all done in one step for him. And one of the other cool things that kids can do on their own when they're here at Learners and they start to recognize that, they can put things to music. They can write little songs and ditties, write riddles and puns, do echo type games Anything out loud is going to feel solid in their mind when they repeat that over and over. So that can be done with anything that they learn about. If they're needing to memorize something, they've got tools there to do it. And again, it doesn't matter how the information was initially presented. It's up to them to take it and own it and use their style to make it happen for them. Okay, and then the last type of learner that we're going to talk about is the do it. A lot of times these are called physical or kinesthetic learners. It's someone who needs to actually get their hands on it to understand it. My husband is definitely a do it learner. He can take any engine ever created by man and take it apart and put it back together and make it work. But if he tries to read a a manual about it, he's probably going to get confused. He's much better if he just dives in there and does it. I could read the manual all day and still not be able to do it. (laughs) You might be able to understand how the engine works by looking at the manual, but that's a whole different thing from actually being able to take it apart and put it together. Exactly. And I think that that's really important to understand about your kids. In our traditional schooling paradigm in the United States, in the West, we value um, the C at learners far more because of our reading and writing paradigm. But we need to understand that the hear it and the do it learners have incredible strengths that we're actually missing if for those of us who are visual learners. We actually, those are our weaknesses and we need to recognize that these other ways of learning and doing things is every bit as valuable. I think that you hit on something really important, Michelle. In school, these are kids who get labeled. These are kids that teachers go, oh, he is hyper. She can't sit still. And sometimes the fault is that we're trying to make them sit still. I remember when I was teaching in schools years ago, and I was I was actually doing some student teaching and working with a fantastic first grade teacher who taught me 
invaluable lessons. And she had assigned me at the time to teach the kids in the class who were struggling to learn to read. She wanted me to sit with them one-on-one and teach them to read. And there was one particular boy that I thought was going to be the death of me. He was a sweet kid, but he couldn't sit still for a second. And I was trying to get him just, just look at the page, just be with me here. Come on, try, try, try. And I felt like he was just bouncing off the walls and wasn't paying attention. And he was driving me absolutely bananas. And I finally went to the teacher and I said, I cannot do this. I can't teach him to read because he won't sit still. And she said, why are you asking him to sit still then? And I I just thought, what? Don't you have to sit still to learn to read? And she put a thing of silly putty in my hand. And she said, I want you to give him this silly putty. Let him hold the silly putty while you're teaching him to read. And I did. And you know what? He learned to read. He just needed to be able to move. He needed something in his hands so that he could do it while he was learning. So no matter what the do it learner is learning, if they're moving while they're learning it, it helps them. So if they have to learn the five times tables, if they're counting by fives while they're jumping rope, it will stick in their head better than if they're just sitting there in a chair or if you're trying to teach them with flashcards. But again, this should be something that you recognize in your child, point out to them, and then you set them free to help them realize, oh, when I'm learning, this is how I need to do it. But again, with a do-it learner especially, you're going to have to let them because there's going to be motion, there's going to be moving, and you have to set up your homeschool situation so that that's going to be okay. So I have a basket that sits on our shelf, and it has a balance board and jump ropes and some little squishy balls and some bean bags and just a variety of things that my kids are allowed to pick up any time they're memorizing something. And they get to move. I don't tell them they have to move. I don't say, oh, we're going to memorize the kings and queens of England, so go get your jump ropes. Instead, I've taught them, look, this, these are some ways that you learn. I've pointed out to them, these are some ways that you learn. And then the ones who need the jump rope in order to memorize that know where it is, and they can go and grab it. The ones who need to learn spelling words while they're throwing a beanbag they get to do that. I don't make them do it. It's not the lesson plan that teacher gives or homeschool mom gives. I've just taught them to think about how they learn and implement it on their own. And then I provide some tools along the way that allow that to happen and some flexibility so that I'm not bothered when they go grab a jump rope in the middle of, you know, geography class. Okay. So some things that do it learners are really good at would be anytime you have a real life example, you're applying any lesson to something in the real world, they're going to grasp that. They also really like labs, so science stuff where it's really hands-on. They will not only be able to follow a recipe, see it, learners are good at that, but they will be able to understand it on a fundamental level and maybe even take it to the next step. So if you give a do-it learner an open-ended experiment, like I want you to see Uh, test these fertilizers and set up an experiment to see which one is best for plants. They will be able to figure out how to do that where your see it learner is going, but how? I want directions. So this, the do it learners can be really, really powerful anytime that you're talking about hands-on. They're also really good at art often, and they like to teach other people, especially if you're talking about where they're demonstrating something. 
They enjoy role playing and STEM challenges. STEM challenges are one of our favorite things because, again, it's that open ended kind of experiment. I think it's really important if you have a do it learner that you provide a lot of physical things that they can touch. You're going to want to have a globe rather than just a map. You're going to want to have a science kit rather than just a science book. So you don't need to alter all of your teaching to cater to it, but it is your responsibility to make sure that they have something to touch. They tend to also be really, really good at sports and any sort of movement. And that's something that you can incorporate in anything that you're learning. So take your homeschool lessons outside sometimes if you have a do-it learner. Be on the road. Let them go and explore and actually physically do things. And they're going to thrive with that. Do-it learners do have some struggles. And as a mom of a do-it learner, you may have some struggles that you're going to have to learn how to deal with, both of you. They may have a hard time listening for long periods of time or staying focused without becoming distracted. And there are times when everyone is required to focus in real life as well as during school. And that's something you're going to have to learn how to deal with, whether that means they get to hold the silly putty in their hands or if it means training where they build up to being able to focus for longer and longer periods of time. So they're going to have to be taught that and helped along in that. They also have a hard time with reading a lot of times. They won't do very well at proofreading. They won't be able to see all those little mistakes. They just Their brain just is jumping right along. Um, big projects that take multiple steps and can require days or even weeks may really be a struggle for um, a do-it learner. They want to get right in there and do the project. They don't want to do the pre-writing step. They don't want to do the post-writing steps. They just want to get it down on paper and be done with it. They have a tough time with math and science and logic, those kinds of reasoning skills. They also will not be very good at making lists or keeping a planner or setting long-term goals. They often have to understand why behind the lesson. Just telling them that the sky is blue is not going to be enough. They want to know why is the sky blue? Well, why do the sunlight rays bounce off the particles? They're going to want to get right down into the very details. They want to be able to see it and touch it and take it apart and figure out everything about it. Learning styles really are about capitalizing on the idea that we all have preferences in the way that we learn And we do. Learning involves absorbing information, processing and comprehending it, and then retaining it. So anytime that my kids need to memorize something in particular, when it's that retaining part and they have to memorize, that's in particular when I point out to them, you know, how do you remember things well? Why don't you use your tools to help you remember it? But when it comes down to every day in our family school, I don't sit there and think, oh, well, Elizabeth, she's a see-it learner, so I must present all of her lessons just this way. I don't do that with my kids. Instead, we utilize all of the styles. And in layers of learning, we really blend all three, see it, hear it, and do it in most of the explorations. Yeah, and we did that on purpose. And the idea is if you teach in multiple ways, then every child gets their learning style catered to sometimes, but they're also stretched and they have to 
come up to the mark. They have to learn how to deal with information that is presented in other ways. And again, throughout life, people are going to present information in all sorts of ways. So for example, in the unit 213, the geography is about the country of Mali. And in that unit, we have several explorations. There's a map, and that appeals to the see it learners in particular. There's also a little section about the Mali language, and there's some words that you get to practice and learn. The hear it learners are going to love learning words in Bambara. It'll be something that they can really remember about Mali. Then there's a game that you can play, Mancala. Well, that's going to be great for your do it learners. And then some of the explorations may cross some of those lines. For example, there's one in the Mali unit about the Bondigara escarpment. And in the exploration, you're asked to read an article, which is see it, and then you're asked to discuss it, which is the hear it. So you don't need to do all of those things in every unit. You just should be picking a variety of things, and you don't even really have to plan that out. You just pick what appeals to you, what sounds good. You don't need to think, well, it's been a while since I did anything for my uh, see it learner. We better make sure we do one this time. You don't necessarily even have to go that far. Just make sure that you're picking a wide variety of all kinds of fun explorations through all the units, and you'll hit them all. Let let the learning happen naturally with the things that interest you and your kids. And then when it comes to actually needing to memorize information, that's when your kids get to recognize, oh, how do I remember something best? How do I learn something and have it stick with me? And once they know their personal style in that, they get to implement what their personal style is. If they're a see it learner, they might be taking those color-coded notes on it. If they are a hear it learner, they might be recording their notes and listening to their own personal audiobook. If they are a do it learner, they might actually want to sculpt a Play-Doh diorama of what they have learned about. They're going to get to decide how they're going to remember it and they get to implement that on their own. You don't have to worry about that. You just have to worry about presenting them in a variety of styles and luckily the layers of learning units do that automatically for you. So you don't need to go online and take those big long quizzes that define exactly what kind of style your child is and then obsess over making sure you have every curriculum thing just for that. The real takeaway from today is to focus less on matching your kid's dominant learning style and focus more on blending all of the styles and helping your kids learn strategies for adapting on their own. Thank you so much for joining us today. Next time, we're going to be talking about matching your teaching style, which dovetails with this. We've been talking about the way kids learn. So next time, we're going to talk about the way we teach. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us today. Come and visit us at layersoflearning.com and on our Facebook group. Make sure to tune in next month for our new podcast. In the meantime, we wish you happiness in your homeschool. Have Have fun fun learning. learning!